to episode 1 billion of ghost emoji. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what number we're on. Taylor, do you know what number we're on? Yeah. No. I I think we're in the 50s somewhere. Was uh 50 steen. Good. Okay, perfect. We're on this is episode 50 steen. So today, oh, I'm Becca. I'm Taylor. And today we're talking about Eastern State Penitentiary. Also called ESP. Apt for this for this uh, podcast. I don't know if anyone actually calls it that. I saw someone be like, it's called, e- they call it ESP. <laughs> and I was like, I've never seen that written in any other article. Get out of here. Was it Shane? Did he say that? You know, I don't know if he did. He might have laughed like that, though. You know him. That It, it felt like you were channeling him. <laughs> Real hard. <laughs> I always try to channel Shane a little bit because he's entertaining and he's got Scully is like you know refined and smart and intelligent and Shane is just chaotic, feral, weird boy who also doesn't know for sure if ghosts are real. So mm-hmm. it just depends on how I'm feeling today. I'm a Shane. Maybe tomorrow I will be Scully again. I'm always serving Mulder paranoia. <laughs> Mulder so realness. That's fine. Mulder realness, which is basically just being like, it could be aliens. It's always aliens with Mulder. Where's my sister? I don't know. <laughs> with some chickens? Uh, just with a bunch of bees. Bunch of bees. Samantha. Scully. Mulder. Skinner. Crycheck. There's so many name shoutings in that so show. So many. It's just like a roll call. <laughs> yeah. Here. <laughs> Uh, so Taylor did most of the, uh, she did all of the, all of the research for this one. We've been switching off and I kind of like that. I feel like then I only have to really do research once a month, which makes me even sadder than when I'm rushing to do it at the last minute. Cause I'm like, you had a whole month, Taylor. You had a whole goddamn month. But, I mean, I'm the same way, so it's fine. But yeah, so we're doing the Eastern State Penitentiary um, got a couple of sources on a list at the top of this episode. One of them was an NPR article called Is Eastern State Penitentiary Really Haunted? It did not come to any clear conclusion. And then a lot of the information was from the actual Eastern State website, like the penitentiary website. Um, and then I got some information from the Wikipedia. And then I also got a chance to rewatch the episode of the BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural video with Shane Madey and Ryan, I forgot your last name, I'm sorry, uh, on, on YTube, because they did have an episode on this, which I must have had it on and just kind of forgotten it. Sometimes the prisons sort of blend together, but I liked this one because haunted prisons are always interesting to me, but the fact that this is like the world's first penitentiary was kind of what got me thinking about it because it's a weird a weird it's a weird it's a weirdy it's a weird one it's a weirdy one i'm gonna start because i did this yeah you should this i is, mean this is my my responsibility i made us do this <laughs> i will take on this burden <laughs> All right, so when Eastern State opened more than 180 years ago, it changed the world. Known for its mm. grand architecture and strict discipline, it was one of the uh, world's first true penitentiaries, which is in quotation marks, a prison designed to inspire penitence or true regret in the hearts of its prisoners. The building itself was an architectural wonder. It had running water and central heat before the White House even. Suck it presidents and it attracted visitors from around the globe which i needed to look up when visitors actually started coming because if the whole thing was supposed to be that it kind of kept prisoners isolated i'm like who did they visit if people came in because like french nobles and royalty and stuff would like come from across the pond to come check out this prison why i don't know i was like oh do they mean like after it shut down, people would come visit, but they were like, no, like, while it was running, they would come and be like, hmm, look at this beautiful prison. 
Ha ha ha. Let's look at this. What is this? Oh. I like how some people showed up and were like, it's really pretty, but dude, this is fucked up. Like Charles Dickens came and was like, man, this this place kind of sucks. This is dark even for me. Yeah. And I wrote Oliver Twist. What happens in Oliver Twist? Is Oliver I Twist... Did he write Oliver Twist? I uh, Didn't he write A Christmas Carol? He did. I mean, that's kind of got some dark themes in it. It ends happy. Did he write A Tale of Two Cities? I thought so, but then I was scared to say it because I didn't want to seem stupid. I think we both sound kind of dumb because we're like, did he write the... Did he do the thing? Did Listen, he do this? Listen, he wrote... He got paid for every, like, word he wrote, so he wrote fucking tomes. I don't don't come at me for not wanting to read a fucking dictionary that he wrote on whatever was going on in Buttfart, England. I don't remember who wrote A Tale of Two Cities, whether it was Charles Dickens or not, but I do remember in the beginning they talk about a lady's smooth forehead for like 50 pages. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they were really that they wanted to get all up on that forehead. He got paid per word. <laughs> yeah, he wrote A Tale of Two Cities. Uh, yes. He, we got it. He wrote Oliver Twist, uh, A Christmas Carol, David Copperfield, Bleak House, Little Door, Tale of Two Cities, Great Expectations. Good for you, Charles Dickinson. Or Dickens, not Dickinson. Uh, Dickinson. I, I think you're thinking of uh, Miss Miss Emily. I am. I wonder if any of these were inspired at all by Eastern State Penitentiary. Gotta write about what you know. Or what you've seen once. And been like, ew, gross. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how they do it nowadays, so. I'm drinking some tea, and it's supposed to be, like, orange blossom flavored, mm -hmm. but it just sort of tastes like I microwaved Gatorade, like orange Gatorade. Oh, no. I'm not loving it, but I'm also very thirsty, so I'm just powering through it. Didn't, uh, I feel like they did that in the office. Someone microwaved Gatorade and served it as tea, and it was disgusting. Uh, someone I'm pretty sure did, but I don't remember who, but yes, that- It was Aaron in later seasons, which I tend to forget about. That's, that's what it was. Yuck. But that's what it tastes like. So, the Eastern State Penitentiary, also known as ESP- Yeah, right. <laughs> is located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and was operational from 1829 till 1971. It's a pretty long run. It's over 100 years, so it's mm -hmm. like 150 almost, just short of that. Uh, the penitentiary refined the revolutionary system of separate incarceration, first pioneered at the Walnut Street Jail, which emphasized principles of reform rather than punishment. At its completion, the building was the largest and most expensive public structure ever erected in the United States and quickly became a model for more than 300 prisons worldwide. It started with seven cell blocks in a wagon wheel shape. Think of an asterisk. Or a kitty butthole. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> and the high ceilings were supposed to evoke the feelings of a church inside of a cat's anus. The exterior looked like an intimidating castle meant to frighten outsiders. They were really leaning into it. I'm, I'll post some photos on the Instagram or something. But if you've never seen it, like, there are tons of pictures of the inside of it. More now, there aren't as many from when it was operational and they aren't super great quality. But I mean, it does look impressive, but it looks like it looks fucking haunted even when it was running and like being taken care of. So I don't know what what they were going for. It's scary, but it looks mm -hmm. cool. I get it, but it's freaky. All prisoners had their own cells at first. I think there was like 200, 250 people total or something like that. Living it up. Uh, they had no contact with other inmates or the outside world. Letters, news, and outside visitors were not allowed. Each cell had a small door that led to an outdoor area where they were allowed to exercise for one hour a day, but they timed it so that no neighboring cells were ever out at the same time. Dang. Yeah, which I'm just like, I guess with 200, 250 people, that was probably easier I feel like you would start to feel like you're the only person left in the world. I read somewhere that the warden and staff were required to meet with each prisoner once a day, but I don't know what that meeting entailed, like just to give them food or to be like, hey, sup, 
make sure that they were like still alive or what. How weird. It's it's really strange. And that door that went to the outside originally was actually like the way that you got in because the door on the inside of the cell that led to like the inner hub or whatever, like the actual cell block wasn't like a real door. It was a barred door that had a small hallway like in front of it and then a sliding like wooden barn style door. And so they would come through there, like give them their meals and then close it. And so that way other prisoners couldn't see into the cells of other inmates because the cells themselves had like solid walls. They weren't like what you think of now where they're all bars on all sides or whatever. Um, Each cell was lit only by a single lighting source from either a skylight or a window, which was considered uh, the window of God or the eye of God. Mm. Kind of, you know, going along with the whole, like, if they could be completely isolated and alone, they would think about what they did and come out better people. And they also wouldn't associate with other prisoners, which... I guess I kind of get, because I know people talk about when you go into prison, you kind of just are surrounded by other criminals, and so you might not have the greatest influences. But also a part of that is then when you come out, you've got bad resources and then end up going back to crime, and it's just a revolving door type thing. So I don't know. Their their ideas about it were, were kind of messed up. I mean, I guess they're trying something, like... <sighs> Part of me is like, I'm, you know, I get that they're trying something different. Like, well, maybe if we do this, it'll work. And it's, there obviously wasn't any sort of real, like, mental health education or even science at that point, other than just, like, not science as we know it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's, it was all just whatever they kind of, like, hypothesized or whatever. Considering that their idea of, like, this revolutionary thing is, you know, what we would consider solitary confinement, which even a short amount of time, I feel like they've proven has been... makes you lose it. Yeah. ...really detrimental to people's mental health versus being like, oh, I'll never do a crime again because I don't want to come back in here because I was tortured for however many years by being completely alone. Because then they also had, like, whenever they did leave their cells to go, I think it was once a month or once every two weeks or something like that, they'd get a bath and see a doctor if they needed to. But if they did let them out, they had to wear hoods with, like, little eye holes so that way they couldn't see or speak to anybody else. Like, they could see where they were going, but they couldn't see other prisoners. So they, okay, so when they're in their cell... Are they far enough? Because I guess it's a wagon wheel. So are they f- so far from other prisoners that they can't like talk to them through the walls or anything or like a window or? The walls are supposed to be pretty thick and the window was normally either a skylight that was like up in the ceiling or it would be on the back wall that went to their back cell. Dang. They had a toilet that was run once a day and they said that... They still found a way around it and managed to find a way to communicate through the toilets or whatever. But even when they were building it, they made it so that the plumbing went to, like, a central point in the prison and not from cell to cell. So they couldn't, like, trade information or communicate that way. The hell? They okay, were well, I really- thought maybe they could, like, talk to each other. So I was like, I mean, if you're able to talk, like, not being able to see each other really sucks. And I don't think there's anything good that came from this. Like, obviously, like, sometimes experimentation is required to, like, figure things out. But at the same time, I feel like they could have done this for maybe, like, a year and been like, I don't think this is working. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? Instead of how long they did it. Well, because, I mean, people would get desperate and try to talk. But if they were, they found them and and caught them talking to each other or trying to talk to the warden or whatever, they would get punished very badly, which is what the next paragraph is about. <laughs> Leading into that, um, even though the prison was designed for minimal interaction between prisoners and the prison staff, there were numerous reports of cruel punishments. Cool, so not only were they in... All right. <laughs> I also didn't read all of this before we started, so I'm learning as everyone else is. Um, people were dunked in baths and hung on outside walls during the winter. That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. The water would freeze to the skin of these inmates. God. 
the iron gag was a device that fit into the mouth but was attached to bindings on the prisoners' hands, which were behind their backs. Movement would cause tearing of the tongue and mouth. Oh my god. Okay, the mad chair was a chair that prisoners were bound to so tightly that their extremities were often permanently damaged and sometimes amputations were necessary. Okay, this sounds less like penitence or whatever and more like some dude's weird, creepy, like, fetish dungeon of pain. If you already are in solitary confinement all the time, they're like, well, what do we do that's, you know, even worse? If if that's not enough for him, I guess we just gotta go real bad. Uh, it's not working. Do it harder. Okay. Mm-mm. No. Wow. All right. Well. So it opened up in 1829, and by 1866, the solitary confinement system, also known as the Pennsylvania system, gotta love being named after that, or for that, I guess. Mm. <laughs> Apparently, like, at one point, people thought the Quakers were involved in this, hence, like, the weird skylight and the the quiet contemplation. But I think that they were like, nah, nah, bro, we're we're not we're not into this. But you can't blame this on us. (laughs) So eventually they they kind of phased out the whole like total confinement thing. And I think that they ended it officially by 1913 took almost a hundred years. That's stupid. Of course, it just turned into one of those things with the whole, like, they had too many people they had to put in jail. So they're like, we've got this big, beautiful prison. Fuck it. Let's just put more people in it. Mm, gross. So by 1926, the prison population topped 1,700 from the original 200. And then in 1933, there was a riot against overcrowding where inmates set fires inside of their cells. That's... That's, I mean, yep. Well, because it was originally one person per cell, and then by this point, it's as many as three per cell, and they had also added more cell blocks, because I think originally, I want to say there was six or something, or seven, I wrote it down earlier, but they just kind of kept adding stuff on, and just more, more and more people, and so, of course, then when the... They set fires, and so I'm guessing... I couldn't find anywhere that said exactly how they dealt with that. Like, if they set the fire in the cell, you think the people in the cell are going to burn to death, but I'm guessing they must have opened them to let them out. Because then some of the ghost sightings, mainly in cell block 12, is where tour guides and staff uh, report hearing high-pitched laughter and doors opening and closing on their own. And they even say that they've seen shadowy figures running... Because some of the cells are, like, they're stacked up in the air, and they said that they can just Mm. see them running up and down the hallway. And so they were like, maybe, like, they're trying to make an escape. Maybe they're running in this riot or something like that. But they just hear lots of noises, and they see shadowy figures. Creepy. And there was lots of other, like, escape attempts and stuff like that that I didn't document because they were interesting, but they didn't really explain any haunting stuff i mean after reading just the stuff that they did a hundred years ago like or for that that hundred years that they did that shit like i can understand why anyone would want to be like let's run away (laughs) and after that i still get it like doesn't sound fun especially like y'all didn't let me talk at all when i was alive and now i'm just gonna be fucking loud i'm gonna be the loudest ghost you ever heard The hole, which is cell block 13, what a name. or the, the punishment block, was four solitary confinement cells, four feet by eight feet. Um, they were poorly ventilated and dark, and perhaps underground. Yeah, I someone mentioned something about them being an underground block, and I'm like, what is it, like the basement? But if you watch the video with Shane and Ryan... Like, Mm -hmm. they go down some stairs, and it literally just looks like they put four small rooms underneath, like, the main prison. It looks like all around it is where there's, like, pipes and stuff like that. It just looks like it's, like, underneath in the the belly of, like, the inside of the walls or something. And, like, the ceiling is really low. There's, like, they said that they, you know, hardly had any air down there. It's... Ugh, it looked really scary. If you if you have a fear of small spaces or something like that, Mm-mm. 
Woof. Mm-mm. Oh, no thanks. <laughs> uh, I'm good. So I don't know exactly the type of prisoners that they kept here. Like if it was maximum security type stuff. I, I feel like when it first started, it was just kind of run of the mill. Like I stole something or, you know, I beat someone up real bad. And I'm sure, like, you know, some murders and stuff like that. But it didn't seem like it was people who had done something especially rough. Um, that's why I was kind of surprised that Al Capone was apparently uh, imprisoned in the prison for eight months between 1929 and 1930. Just since he Jeez. was, like, such a big gangster. I mean, eventually he was moved to Alcatraz, but when he was put in prison here, it was for, like, carrying a an unregistered gun or something like that. So it was kind of small potatoes. I imagine they probably did it because they were like, we want to get them off the streets, but we can't pin them for big stuff like, I don't know, the Valentine's Day massacre. <laughs> so let's just get them on this gun charge. He had enough clout that his cell, everyone else's were just, you know, like a bed, a toilet, maybe a desk. His was comfortable and kind of cozy. He had a little lamp that gave off like this soft, warm glow. He had an armchair. His desk was way nicer than everybody else's. He had a radio. He had like paintings on the wall. Like it's still a prison cell, but he had the best prison cell in the place. But he apparently would keep other like prisoners up at night and staff heard him yelling and screaming in his cell, saying, Jimmy, get out and leave me alone. That's significant because he's generally believed to have masterminded the Valentine's Day Massacre, which is an ambush attack where seven men and an a enemy gang were killed, including a man named Jimmy Clark. <laughs> so they think that even when the prison was running, that he was already being haunted by the ghost of Jimmy. But I also think he had, like, syphilis or something, so it could have just been the guilt plus him having brain troubles. Syphilis will do that. Mm-hmm. So by the 1970s to the 1980s, uh, Eastern State is all but totally abandoned. Philadelphia Street's department uses grounds for storage. Um, vandals are smashing the skylights and windows, and an or urban forest grows in the halls and cells. And then... Dan McLeod, the last city caretaker, continues to feed a family of stray cats on the property, which is sweet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they just, like, eventually kind of started phasing people out into other prisons. They didn't know what to do with it because it was just this giant estate. But it was so, like, run down. They were like, well, we could update it, I guess, or we could just move them to these newer, nicer prisons. And by nicer, I mean their prisons. <laughs> I feel like this is America's, like, M.O., is building something and going, like, well, it's derelict now. We could go in and, like, you know, refurbish it or gut it or whatever, but we've already built all these other new things, so let's just abandon it. Because I feel like in Houston, at least, how many strip centers and shopping malls and other like random things have just been abandoned and they're like for lease. And because of the way that I guess the, the companies and the renting and stuff works, there's no money to like knock them down really. Unless I guess they got possessed by the city of Houston, I would assume. It's just one of those things where I'm like, this seems so wasteful because it's just everyone keeps get expanding, but there's nobody's using the things that are already there. Well, and sometimes, I mean, you think of a mall and how big it is and how much like weird yeah. material is in it. If they tore True. it down, where does all that debris and everything that go? Too. How do we dispose of it? It's almost like maybe we shouldn't build something that large unless we have plans to use it indefinitely. <laughs> <gasps> oh my god yep you know i think i mean and it won't work for everything because like strip centers and stuff like that i don't really know what you do with them but there was uh, a wonderful episode where rachel mcelroy was talking about there's apparently an old mall in austin that they turned into a community college and that was one of the first times i'd heard of someone successfully turning an old like abandoned mall 
into something else that's more useful. It's a very specific case, and I mean, colleges have their issues too, but in that case, you know, at least they turned it into something else, a center for for learning. I mean, it's just nice that the space isn't just going to waste because it feels so incredibly wasteful. But at the same time, I mean, you're right. Like, where do you take all that debris? It just fills up landfills. And uh, it's, again, the whole, like, maybe we shouldn't build things that aren't meant to really last or that mm-hmm. don't have, like, a sustainability for, like, over 50 years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But again that's my point is like this feels very america like well we built it and we used it for a while and then there were better things so we just abandoned it they have turned it into something educational which is nice it's you know we'll get to it it's essentially like a museum attraction kind of thing now Mm -hmm. but think of all the things you could have turned it into although i guess it's also apparently some people said it was like the most haunted building in america which i feel like i see a lot but most of the very specific things there's only a handful everything else is just guests and former staff being like yeah i heard some weird noises and it was kind of spooky but if you see photos of it the place just looks fucking spooky (laughs) that's fair anything you hear you're gonna be like ah it's a ghost this place looks so scary true so let's see so by 1974 mayor frank rizzo is like, let's just tear it down and put a criminal justice center, which, I mean, he would be putting up something new, but at the same time, it's like a historic, at that point, maybe not necessarily beautiful, but like, it's a very grand building. It's a little more robust than your average strip mall. And Mm -hmm. so eventually in 1991, a place called the Pew Charitable Trusts I don't know what that is, but they gave them a lot of money, and stabilization and preservation efforts began. So they were like, let's try and restore this a little bit and, like, turn it into something. So the first Halloween fundraiser takes place on Halloween night to raise money to create a daytime tour program. And a few hundred people attended that first year. And since then, a Halloween fundraiser has been held at the penitentiary every fall, and attendance increases every subsequent year or increased every subsequent year today terror behind the walls is one of the largest and most successful haunted attractions in the country that's cool the only thing and there's later on like farther down the page there's a part where they kind of talk about it but i was like is it disrespectful to do like a haunted house in a place where lots of people like suffered were tortured and to died but they're also doing it to get money to educate people so it's kind of like a double-edged if people are gonna you know come here and be like was there a fucking ghost here i'm zach baggins hey ghost come out and kiss me on the mouth if you can (laughs) if you dare i bet you're too scared to do it i double dog dare you come out here and kiss me with tongue i triple dog dare you to cop a feel but you know i I think maybe it's better to be like, no, we're doing this. It's a controlled thing and it's all the money's going back versus, you know, all of the the paranormal groups that maybe come in and are like, they're fucking ghosts here. And I do mean fucking. Ugh. I'm gonna fuck all these ghosts. Oh my God. I don't know why all these ghost hunters are so horny for ghosts. I don't know. What shows are you watching? <laughs> Haven't you ever watched whichever one Zach Baggins is on? The I can't remember if he's Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures or whatever, but he's the one who's always wearing like the motorcycle shirts, and I feel like he's always like, "Fucking fight me, ghosts!" <laughs> <laughs> what a dumbass! I don't know. Uh, he just has like a very erotic energy around him. I just feel like he would he would <laughs> he would have sex with a ghost. Him? <laughs> Him challenging ghosts reads as erotic to you. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's what he's into. Like, he's got a semi about oh, his ghosts. Oh, okay, okay. I don't think the ghosts I are see. into it. The ghosts are like, this guy's fucking no. weird. Let's get out of here. Oh, <laughs> uh, no thanks. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Uh, sorry. I'm going to hard pass on that. <laughs> they just pull a chat. Oh, no thanks. Oh, no, I'm good. Okay. Ugh. 
All right, so by 1994, the Eastern State Penitentiary opens for historic tours on a daily basis. Visitors are required to wear hard hats and sign liability waivers. The place is, like, crumbling and and falling apart. More than 10,000 visitors attend in the first year alone. I was going to ask if they're asked to sign the the liability waivers to, to say, like, I will not light the black flame candle if I am a virgin. <laughs> no, if you're not a virgin, you can light whatever you want. But if you're a virgin, yeah. don't you fucking dare. Don't you fucking even go near it. Uh, so in 2003, several dramatic new vistas in the prison's cathedral-like cell blocks open. After extensive stabilization, visitors are no longer required to wear hard hats. That's nice. Yeah, that, they- I imagine that's very comforting to be like, <laughs> oh, today you don't have to wear a hard hat. We've actually passed inspection and there's very little chance that something will fall on your head and kill you. I mean, who can say? Say la vie. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I'm sure that was probably, they probably got like a big boost on their insurance that day. So Eastern State Penitentiary is now open for tours seven days a week, 12 months a year. Yep. So they're, so. they're always there. It's, it looks really like interesting. I don't often find myself in Philadelphia, but it's a place that I would actually, if I was there, I would like to visit because they've got a ton of like interesting art exhibits and stuff within the prison. Like educational stuff and artsy mm-hmm. stuff, and I don't know. It just seems like if they, if they weren't going to turn it into a justice center or whatever, it's the second best thing. Kind of back going or going back towards like why people think it's haunted. A lot of people have experiences, but there was this one guy named Gary Johnson who was a locksmith who was helping them when they were kind of reconstructing and and maintaining the building. It was back in the early 1990s. And he was working on a lock, I guess, on cell block floor that was, they just kept being like, it was a really tough lock. I'm like, what is he just trying to open the cell so they can use it for something or what? I don't know. But he managed to like, get it open. And he said that as soon as he did, that a force gripped him so tightly that he was unable to move. He described a negative, horrible feeling that exploded out of the cell. And he could see tormented faces like on the walls of the cell, kind of like sliding over each other and moving around. And that there was a form that like beckoned to him. And then he finally, I guess, broke free and and, and scooted out of there. But that sounded pretty fucking scary (laughs) sounds like that cell block really needs a uh himalayan salt lamp hmm maybe (laughs) i'm just kidding it doesn't (laughs) uh countless reports of dis disembodied screams cries and whispers and ghostly footsteps have been reported by visitors unable to explain the sound's origins the shadowed outline of what is believed to be a former guard will also appear in one of the watchtowers from time to time. Now, that's who I wouldn't want to fuck with. This other guy maybe, like, stole some bubble gum and then y'all locked him up here for 20 years or whatever. But that guard dude, he's all into the iron gag or whatever. Yeah, or the mad chair. So, no. No, thank you. I will be avoiding that that uh, former guard. Thank you very much. Unsubscribe. Do not want. <laughs> Downvote, downvote. <laughs> but there was a dude, it's a, a tour guide, excuse me, a tour dude named Ben Bookman said it's a lot harder to find a believer than it is to find a skeptic here among the staff. He said that the staff does not like to exploit the prison's darker image. He said most people making TV shows come in looking for ghosts, and that's not the story we tell. Inmates were real people. These were people's lives. 27,000 people spent time here. We're not going to glorify it, and we're not going to make fun of it. I feel like that sounds weird, because they do do a big haunted house thing there every year, but it does earn money. And as far as I could tell, like there's like six different attractions within it, but none of them seem to be like prison-themed. So it'd be like, escape from zombie house hmm. escape from witches teat or something like that none of them are prison prison themed so at least they're like not leaning into it that is complicated because 
like if you're gonna do a haunted house, I guess they're since they're not leaning into the haunted prison thing, that's good, but also I don't know. But I mean, like, all tours of things like that where people died are a little bit exploitative as well. But at the same time, it's sort of, like, also good to, like, see history and stuff and see the, like, shitty stuff that we've done to each other because it reminds us, like, let's not do it again. Let's not do that. Mm -hmm. And also, it takes money to keep these places up and running so people can have educational tours. I don't know. That's a complicated issue. The almighty dollar. Mm. The, the true, the true boogeyman. Money, money, money. Money. <sighs> so, there are apparently a lot of art exhibits within the prison, and these were some of Taylor's favorites. I picked Ooh. my favorite ones. I'm excited. Okay, so ghost cats. When the prison closed in 1971, a colony of cats lived inside. And when restoration began, the cats were captured and neutered. Oh, that's nice. Thus mm -hmm. causing them to eventually die off. Well, yeah, that's that's TNR. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> of natural causes. Nobody killed them. Yeah, just they weren't allowed to breed anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what that means. Nobody nobody went in like set traps. They just neutered them and then released them and then they can't breed. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um artist Linda Brenner sculpted 39 cat sculptures which surrounded the property. Uh, the sculptures were purposefully made of a material that slowly dissolves over time to represent the inevitable natural decay that faces all living things. Oh, that's really neat. Mhm. Mm but I liked that it, you know, it kind of pulled in something about the prison, but then also mm -hmm. kind of on the whole like natural decay because that's something i really like about a lot of the photos of the prison is i mean it's that apocalypse shit where like it doesn't take long for nature to come back in and be like all right if y'all aren't gonna do anything with this we're moving in that's fair but i also thought it was really nice that they did tnr the the kitties there instead of just being like rude and just poisoning them or running them off and letting them make babies somewhere else yeah i i like that they were like okay we're gonna tnr this like cat colony and let them live out their lives and then that's the end of it there was another one i liked. they listed a whole bunch but i just picked these two because i thought they were they were neat but there's one called my glass house which is by artist judith taylor and it's an ongoing project that she does where she takes black and white pictures of natural habitat found in the prison's walls, so all that nature stuff that's come in, and then the prints are turned into glass, and they replace the missing glass in the greenhouse in the courtyard of cell block one. So, it just sounded and looked really neat. That is really neat. And that's where, like, you know, I think that they've, they've done a lot with it for, like, this big grand building on top of it just being educational and, and you know, teaching about prison conditions and stuff like that kind of a, a cautionary tale it also you know tries to be like here if if you're not into just you know having an audio tour how about something that you can look at and just makes you feel some things and you can take that so a closing bit i took i can't remember if this is from the npr article or, or which one but it said perhaps hauntings are a self-fulfilling prophecy if you want to have a haunted experience your imagination just might make sure that you do Certainly there are thousands of visitors who say they've experienced no odd feelings, no sudden chills, no strange sounds, no apparitions, and yet there are plenty who say that they have. I mean, I really hope that it's not haunted, just because it sounds like these people had enough of a, like, hellish existence. They deserve whatever, like... Let me be free. Yeah, let me be nothing. <laughs> rest whatever their religion was or just you know not existing anymore and being free from like being tortured and isolated would honestly be a relief i imagine yeah time to cross over mm -hmm. although i hope that guard's there just because he seems like he sucks maybe he was a good guard and he's watching over the prison now to make sure no one does anything stupid but probably not well, that's a nice thought probably not though <laughs> he was probably the iron gag's biggest fan yeah, he's like, I love that iron gag. Gag me, daddy. <laughs> uh, I looked at pictures of the ghost cats, and 
They're really cute. I know. Let's go. She like placed them. Okay, she placed them <laughs> in like windows and looking around corners and like on stairs and places that cats would be, and it's just really cute. Yeah, it's a, instead of just being like, I'm gonna line them all up in a row so it looks like a weird cat graveyard. Mm-mm. It just looks like, oh, this is what you know they would have been doing had their like bloodline continued. Mm-hmm. Sweet. But yeah, but there's lots of cool stuff like that. So I guess if you get a chance and you're in Philadelphia, it seems neat. Give them money to go look at tours and learn about prison. They're penitentiaries, excuse me. Excuse me. Well, what have you been up to this week? Anything cool? Anything spooky? You're about to get excited because guess who is on the middle of season two of The Expanse? <gasps> is it you? It's me. Who's your favorite character? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> um, mm, I'm actually very fond of Julie, despite her not being in it very much. She's interesting. I like her. Mm-hmm. Like, I, because you feel like her spirit throughout the show, I feel like, mm-hmm. despite what happens. And I really like Gunny. A lot. I love Bobby Draper as my as my <laughs> wife. I love her. She's so she's so strong, and she's kind of a tit sometimes. But yeah. she's just got stuff to do. She's busy. She can't she can't be bothered with your bullshit. That's fair. She just wants to see the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then I also like Naomi. Yeah, she's cool. Most of the dudes are a little disappointing. Though. <laughs> Anytime I'm watching it, and I see like one of the chicks like start to think about getting with one of the dudes i'm just like don't do it they're not worth it get out of here just hold out just wait a little longer someone will come along i promise because i feel like we're supposed to really like holden and i just keep being like okay mr like i know better than everybody else whatever yeah i'm not a big holden fan i he does a lot of like weird like holier than thou kind of posturing that just pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you met Drummer yet? Um, she's maybe. a lady belter. She hangs out with Fred. Mm, yeah. Wait. Mm. She has like really intense eyeliner. Yes. Okay. Yes. She's like his second hand mm-hmm. or his like second person. Yeah. And she's always giving him advice. Yeah, I like her too. She's a. She's in three a lot more and i feel bad because i don't know if they meant to but i was like she's definitely she's got something for naomi and i'm just like come on let them kiss let them kiss see they haven't met yet i'm on episode six i think Mm -hmm. of season two and like shit just hit the fan Mm. but i don't know i'm really enjoying it it feels like Mass Effect. Like, it feels like they took a lot of inspiration from a lot of different things, and I appreciate that. I definitely like being able to watch all of it at once, because yes. the only season I watched real time was season three, and it definitely, like, it just felt a lot slower, because they put so much in one episode that, like, watching them back to back to back a lot of times didn't make it feel so slow. So I'm hoping, since now it's on Amazon for good, that they'll release it all at once instead of one episode at a time when the next season comes out. I hope so. I'm excited because, like, they're doing season four, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think of Avasarala? I keep... Too rude? Not... I keep going back and forth on her because, like, in the first season I was like, uh-uh. And then in the second season I've been like, okay... She's complicated. Mm-hmm. I think she's an interesting character, but mm-hmm. I definitely, like, anytime I would go back and rewatch, I'm like, man, she did some some torture and some kind of rude stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, dag. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Said some kind of shitty things about people who have, like, struggled. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, mmm, not a cute look. <laughs> not a cute look, my dude. Mm-mm. <laughs> His name. I know we talked about the dudes being disappointing. I feel like this is a really long bit. We should just... Let's start an Expanse podcast. Okay. <laughs> but there was one part where... Or what's it called? What's his face? 
Ah, he's a weird, muscly man. Amos. I'm actually weirdly fond of Amos. I am too, but at the same time, I'm like, he's kind of super macho to a point sometimes where I'm just like, okay, I get it, like, you're an angry dude and you don't want to talk about your feelings. But then there are parts where, I can't remember if it's in season three or season two, but he's, like, super sweet on kids, and that always gets me when people are like, I'm tough and hard, but I love kids. Kids are important, and they must be taken care of. <laughs> yeah, that that does get, that, it's a big, yeah. Um, but also, like, watching him with Naomi is very sweet. Mm-hmm. That and kind of like, brother-sister thing. Yeah, because I thought it was cute when, when What's-His-Face was like, oh, are you, like, together? And he was just like, mm-mm, no. Mm, <laughs> it's like, don't ew, gross. Any no. more questions. No, no. No. Uh, but then he just, like, respects her. I don't know. I just, I, weirdly, of all of the dudes, to be like, I'm fond of him, it's Amos. <laughs> I know, but sometimes he does kind of like, <laughs> yeah. he can be a little, a little intense. And I'm just like, dude, a little bit of a I shit, get it. Yeah. Stop flexing. There's one part in season three where he's talking to someone about wearing mag boots. And he's like, you know, just, you have to walk in them like you're walking in high heels. And they're like, how do you know? And he was like, I wasn't always a Marine or whatever. And I'm just like, Amos? 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 <laughs> <laughs> I keep waiting for them to be like, surprise, he's gay. Because, I don't know, it just seems I like... I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like fun. he would probably... Well, I mean, they haven't really shown him being attracted to anyone that I can Mm-mm. can say for sure. I think he kind of hits on a lady at one point. But I'm like, I could definitely see him being pan or bisexual. That seems, that seems in line. Because I feel like sometimes when he's doing the, like ultra masculinity stuff it doesn't feel like toxic it just feels like sort of eye-rolly and obnoxious if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so uh, i don't know i but i would be tickled to death if he turned out to be pan or bi just because i think it would be like just break all those stereotypes like you know, we'll we'll see. I'm excited. I was rewatching season three a little while ago just because I don't actually know when season four is coming out, but I wish it was coming out now. But, that would be nice. But I love I love Bobby. I like in season three they show a lot more of Bobby and uh, Alex, which Alex isn't my favorite. His weird "I'm a cowboy and I'm from Mars" kind of thing gets a little goofy tiresome <laughs> i'm already tired and hey. he's barely been in it hey Padna. like like i got really mad when everybody was mean to him but at the same time i'm like you you need to stop flexing the weird like texas thing you need to calm down please yeah stop. well there's a part in season three where like you kind of learn more about like his family life and stuff and i was like alex nah nah but like i said i mean the dudes on the whole, I'm just constantly being like, oh, you suck. Why are the women all so good? I'm not used to this. All of the, the men are so dumb. All the women are so good. Uh, I get so tired of Frank's, like, hard-boiled cop thing. Oh, like, uh, sometimes he'll say stuff and I'm just rolling my eyes. I'm like, please, Frank. Like, Miller, take off your stupid hat, you idiot. Shut the Miller, what a goof. I also love when he was like, I'm going to shave the other side of my head. And I was like, oh my god, Edgelord. <laughs> Calm down. Uh, mm. I'm hoping, Anyways. I mean, I feel like he's got to just be like a parody of that that trope. And they yeah. were like, what if this was still around? <sighs> but, well, I'm glad that you're like, I hope that you, you enjoy the rest of it. I felt like season three was a little bit slower, but again, I watched it one episode at a time, so I'm hoping now that I'm rewatching all of it, the pacing will kind of fit in more. Because there's a lot of really neat stuff in it. It just felt like when I was watching it, it took forever for stuff to happen. That's fair, because, I mean, I keep being like, oh, well, you know, I just thought we would be at, like, a different point and the story by mid-season two, but we're still sort of, like, circling around the same major issue. So I was like, 
while I imagine it could feel slow watching it like one at a time, (laughs) one at a time, but watching it in rapid succession feels very like, okay, this makes sense why it's taking so long for these things to happen. And it doesn't feel long. I am so oddly relieved that you also are into Amos because I was almost like, (laughs) what if I say I kind of like Amos and she's like, oh, you like that toxic dick bag? Okay, we know a little something about you, but... No. (sighs) He's the only one I can stand. And at first he bothered me, like, just... Same. Just because I was like, oh, I know who you are. I know what kind of person you are. And then, like, as... (laughs) As you get introduced to more and more dudes in the show, you're just like, oh no, Amos is my favorite. <laughs> Amos is because the best he's boy. not that bad. <laughs> I guess it's like you're, you're the best. You're the best of the worst. Shitty option <laughs> of a bunch of shitty options. But whatever, I still like him. So this has been our Eastern State Penitentiary (laughs) Expanse podcast episode. Sorry. No, I mean, I'm not even going to do my recommendations because I didn't really have any and I love The Expanse. So I'm glad that that you have gotten into it. So yeah, watch The Expanse. It's on Amazon. There's like three seasons of it and it's very good. Tell us if you also like Amos and if you also think every other dude is (laughs) trash. Uh, let's see you can follow us on instagram and twitter at ghost emoji show if you want to email us our email is ghost emoji podcast at gmail.com um we have an instagram yeah i already said that you did i did oops oops i'll just go back to drinking my boiled gatorade (laughs) oh delicious gatorade Oh, it's cold now. Ew. Mm. So is it just regular Gatorade now? So it's like room temp Gatorade. <laughs> I'm sorry that happened to you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm just going to give up. But yeah, if you like what you hear, we always appreciate a follow, a, a subscription, a good review. And until next time, I was trying to think of like something from The Expanse and I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> Go sc- uh, screaming firehawks. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let a don't don't touch the proto uh, molecule. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>